Hi, my name is Mary Cruz, and welcome to I'm So Glad You Asked, Everyone Has a Story, and I Want to Hear Yours, episode 14. My guest today is my friend Morella, and I'm so happy she's here. I had mentioned a few episodes back about making new friends in your 40s and the gift that it is, having the incredible opportunity to remember parts of yourself all over again or discovering new parts. And my friend Morella encompasses that for me. Morella and I met in the summer of 2021. We were both invited to our friend Natalie's birthday dinner and were sat next to each other. I always get excited when I meet new women and think, oh, I wonder if we are around the same age. And that is exactly what I was thinking on that summer night. We began chatting and I remember distinctly she ordered a spicy margarita and somehow that led to the conversation of fertility. At the time, Mike and I had just finished three unsuccessful attempts of fertility treatments and Morella began sharing with me her similar journey. Although I hate hearing other women go through fertility loss or struggle, it did bring me a sense of calm and peace, knowing I was not alone in my thoughts and emotions. And she spoke of it so honestly, which was really refreshing. We exchanged numbers that night and thus began a wonderful new friendship in my life. Mike and I were honored this past fall to attend and witness her dream wedding to her husband, Ken, in Georgia. It was an incredible evening, beautiful weather, and to celebrate Morella's Romanian heritage, we danced a traditional Romanian dance, which was one of the best memories from that night. Morella is a giving, kind, and wonderful soul, and she's also hilarious. Last summer, um, she had surgery on her hamstring, and I was putting together a happy hour for some of my friends in Chicago, and she told me she would happily wobble anywhere on her crutches, and that is dedication right there. Morella, welcome to the podcast. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I do remember I just said, that. I don't know. For some reason, that made me laugh so hard. You're like, I'll wobble anywhere. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, my God, Mary, that is so perfect. Thank you so much for <laughs> such a lovely introduction. Oh. That was really, really sweet. Well, Thank it's been you. nice. And I was. I, it's funny because I feel like the last couple of years have kind of just been a blur in a lot of ways. So I was like, what year? Oh, that was 2021. And now we're in 2024. Unbelievable. So, unbelievable. But um, I really appreciate you being here. You're actually one of the one of the first women I thought of when I started this podcast that um, I feel like you have a lot to share. And the one thing I didn't mention, but I, I will mention this too, um, you know, you, you are heavily involved um, with your law firm and the work that you do yes. for cancer research and leukemia and lymphoma society. Yes, that okay. is one of many, many. charities that um, we are part of and that I help out with. And I was so honored in 2022 when um, you asked me to get involved and I had, that was a beautiful time. So thank you. And I, I didn't, it's not that I, that is a big part of the story, but I always think of you and just how much of a giving person you are, that you care that much about people. Well, back at you, Mary, because the reason that I asked you to be part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for their Woman of the Year is because that night that we met in 2021 with my spicy margarita, I'm so <laughs> impressed that you remember that <laughs> because I don't, although that is typical meme, um, is just the way that you are, the type of human that you are when I was sitting on the board for the LLS and you are the first person I thought Aww. of when they said, you know, recruit people that you think would be a good for this cause and, this, you know, would really honor this campaign. And I said, well, I met this lady. I don't know if she would be interested. I've only known her, you know, a few months, but yeah. the the type of soul and the type of personality that she has, I, I knew that you would be incredible in campaigning for the LLS. So I really appreciate that. Well, something I don't, I, I probably didn't tell you afterwards, Mike's mom died of leukemia. And that was a big part of the story. And I was, you know, I got my friends involved. Obviously that was, and you got to meet all of them. And that was really special. I really, I meant that meant a lot to me too. So thank you. But I, I, I will say that just means 
it takes a lot to give a lot of your time to charity when you're doing that outside of a full-time job. Right. And you do that. So, thank, you. thank you. So, but if there's anything else you'd like to share, otherwise I'd love to know, you know, when I asked you to do this podcast, um, what is a story? I mean, we all have a million stories, but like, what would you say is, you know, the really, the, what's a V story maybe that shapes who you are and continues to shape who you are? And I remember when you asked me that and I really thought about it because there are a lot of stories. I've, um, it's a running joke in my work and in my, at the law firm is that, um, Morel has probably done it, whether it's, you know, Uber driving or, um, you know, anything in the restaurant business or my mom owned a flower shop or, or you know, either I've done it or I got a guy. So I, when you asked me that question, I really sat and thought about it. But ultimately, you know, from the beginning, it would be my heritage. Um, mm. So I'm Romanian, like you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Let's let's go all the way back. So. All the way back. Yeah, 47 years. Um <laughs> So I came to this country when I was almost four with my okay. mom. Um, my dad came to the country before us, uh, almost two years before us. Um, but I was born in Romania. Um, and he went to Austria first. And he went to a work camp uh, initially, which is where he wanted us to go. Uh, the singles work camp was a lot more dangerous Um mm. It was a lot harder for him. The family part of the work camp was better. He could have created more of a life for us in Austria, but it just wasn't happening. Um, Do you mind if I ask why your parents wanted to leave Romania? It was communist. Okay. It, it was a bad situation. Uh, the kind of person that my dad was, um, I would say ambitious, but also a little bit reckless. Okay. Um, so he just didn't want... He, he heard other parts of the world were better, whether mm. it was Austria, other parts of Europe. And I don't know the entire story necessarily. Oh, sure. yeah. It's things that I've heard. Uh, eventually, you know, he, he heard about uh, Orthodox Church in Chicago, and that's how he ended up coming to the States. An Orthodox Romanian church? Yes. Is that similar to, is that similar to Greek Orthodox? Yes. So Orthodoxy, <laughs> you know, there's different facets of it. So Romanian, Greek, Russian, Serbian Orthodox, okay. but it, it, it's all Orthodoxy. Okay. And for We follow the same calendar for the most part. Okay. Um, our Easter's are different. Oh, that's right. We follow, um, I think it's called the Gregorian calendar, oh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Although we celebrate Christmas at the same time Catholics do. Okay. Um, but I know that, I want to say Albanian and Serbian Orthodox celebrate Christmas on January 7th. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But for us, January 7th is uh, Jesus's birthday. Uh, excuse me, Jesus's baptism. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a little bit different and I never really delved too much into it. It was just one of those things. We went to church every I know. Sunday. Yeah, he just went. Just went, okay. you know. So your dad went to Austria first. He went to Austria first. He was there for probably a good seven, eight months or so. Okay. And then he, there were other things that happened and um, he was recruited. I mean, he's dead now, so I suppose I could say this. It won't, won't matter. <laughs> Only if you want. Only if you want. Yeah. Um, so he was re recruited by the French Legion. Um, okay. You know, he was a strapping young man right mm. and he could fight yeah. and that's why they recruited him and they from and again i never was told the story directly but i heard bits and pieces when he spoke to i had an ex who was um his dad was a vietnam vet mm. so the first time they met 
they spoke at length about that. So wow. that's where I heard bits and pieces of it. But it was, hor- you know, it was horrible from what I heard, the bits wow. and pieces I heard. So they would lit- literally take these guys in the middle of the night, drop them in God knows where, and they would do God knows what. Like, oh, wow. if you just use your imagination, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was another big reason why he wanted to leave Austria, you okay. know. Um, so he he left, um, n- not telling the French Legion necessarily. So sure. he kind of escaped from Austria. He ex- escaped from this. And he went to the States, to Chicago. He was sponsored by um, this couple from the church and came to Chicago. And then he lived in basement apartment with six other guys in not... Um, not very safe parts of Chicago. You know, it's, and I mean, I think what's interesting, there's so many things interesting about that, but I, I think now, especially being 2024, I often think about when I hear stories like this, or I even hear stories from my mom telling about my grandparents, you know, coming from Italy, is how much was done without the use of the internet. With You know, I right. mean, even without the use of like phones, right? Like yep. letters, you know, people, you would have to build community. Mm-hmm. And I think about that and I'm hearing this too. So it was someone who sponsored your dad through the church. Right. Right. Um, do you, you know, I want to just ask another really quick question. Sure. Do you, since you left Romania at four, and you can touch on this maybe in a little bit, do you actually remember any parts of it? Believe it or not, the only thing that I remember when I was little before we left was um, a funeral my great grandma took me to back in the country. And it was a funeral that was like on the dirt road. Oh, wow. And she took me there. And I remember seeing, you know, all these biddies in black clothing, Mm -hmm. crying hysterically. And I was a little confused because I was two, two or three. And I was a little confused on why my great grandma would take me to this, but it was something that all the old ladies did. Mm -hmm. Like if if there was a funeral in the neighborhood, if you will, all the old ladies would go in their black garment because most of them were widows anyway. And the priest was there. And I want to say a, um, couple altar boys with the candles and the the incense and stuff like that. But that's the, and it's a very, very vague memory, but that is the only legit memory that I remember. So my great grandma must've been babysitting me at the time. Yeah. And yeah, that's the only memory I remember from back then. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then back to your dad. So he's in Chicago. So he's in Chicago and he obviously wants his wife and his daughter to come to Chicago. And the Americans wouldn't give us a visa. Again, these are stories that, you know, either I heard from my mom or I heard from my dad, you know, bits and pieces of what I gathered. So Did Amer- he have a visa? I know he was sponsored, but... So he was sponsored and he got, I, I believe, I assume a temporary. So okay. don't quote me on that. I assume, sure. Oh, assume sure, sure, sure. you know, a, a visiting visa until he could finally get a permanent one. Because back then, and I remember, um, you had to be a citizen to be able to ask anybody to come okay um you know like put the invite out if you will oh sure so again i don't know the timeline as far as how he was able to reach out to all the government officials that he did um seeking a visa for his wife and daughter from romania so from what i understand he went on you know radio um he called senators wow. and politicians and stuff like that in broken English. You know, he didn't speak the language, figured it out um, to get us a visa. So we, we, my mom finally got the call in Romania that said, okay, the Americans are giving you a visa. 
I'm still not 100% sure, but we went to Italy for a period of time before we came to the States. Okay. So I remember my mom telling me the story that, so we land in Italy. We don't speak Italian. <laughs> it, you know, it's not like it is a day where... Do you still speak Romanian? Do you still oh, understand? Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll mention that a little bit later, but um, as far as still speaking Romanian, but so we're in Italy. Uh, my mom doesn't really know where to go. And she says that she sat on some steps, whether it was right outside of the airport or something like that. And she just started crying. Because oh. she's like, what am I, what am I going to do? Right. And I have this little girl. Right. So I started crying too. And she asked me, she's like, why are you crying? And I said, well, I don't know. Cause you're crying. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was one of those things. And she said that she found a taxi driver who ended up speaking Romanian that took her to, I believe it was the embassy Okay, to get her settled, get her um, where she was staying, get her money, that, that type of thing. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was, that's amazing that you found a Romanian cab driver. Right. To to be able to help her out. It was an angel truly sent. I believe that. Yeah. Is what, what she said. So we stayed in Italy for uh, a period of time. Uh, I guess we stayed with this other woman who also had a daughter in this apartment, I assume. Okay. And my mom told me that this little girl was the devil. Uh, every chance she got, she always used to try to bite me. What? So they, the the two moms, they would try to keep us separate because oh. yeah, this little girl is a bad girl. I'm really sorry, She's a bad girl. <laughs> but yeah, so I would have these welts all over if they didn't watch us. Oh my god, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> so, so that was that was. Do you remember any? No, of this? I don't remember okay. any. Of that. I don't remember any. I will of say Italy. that I'm glad you don't remember that yeah. part. Okay. So then finally we get, um, you know, okay, we we have the visa, we go to the states, and. My, Do you remember where you flew into? O'Hare. You flew into, oh, from, you went from directly from Italy to O'Hare. To O'Hare. Okay. Yeah. Um, and again, stories from my mom. So I don't, or, and my dad, I don't remember um, exactly, but we get off the plane and I guess my dad is waiting like right at the door of the plane. It, where he, technically he's not really allowed to do that. Right. But that's um, the type of person that he was. He, he was bad at asking for permission. Well, this or, is like 1980. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was way before nine <laughs> eleven. Just waiting at the plane. <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> Knocked on the door oh, of the plane. Like. He's like, "Hey, I got some people in there." <laughs> um. So we leave O'Hare and we get into this snot green Camaro with white leather seats. That I remember Whoa. distinctly. Yes. Um. Very distinctly. So we get into it, and I guess my my dad told my mom, you know, I borrowed this because in Romania people didn't have cars. No. No. Okay. That that was like a luxury. Rich people had cars. I had one great aunt um, that had a car. Her and her husband had a car. They didn't have kids or anything like that. And my mom's mother is one of six, if okay. I'm mistaken. So n- nobody had a car. My mom didn't have a car. Her sister didn't have a car. This one great aunt, that was the only one that had a car. So if anybody needed to go anywhere far, mm. they would ask my great uncle to take them. Oh, wow. So my mom was like, of course, this is in your car. You know, nobody has cars, like, right. obviously. So they get to the apartment, and the first thing my dad did was open all the cabinets. And the oh, is this a new apartment? Is this a new apartment for your family? Yes. Okay. So this was an apartment um, that he got actually 
right by the Rosemont Horizon, which is, I know now called the Allstate. I still call it Rosemont. I, I, I do too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was one of the apartments over there. Um, and that was going to be our new home, right? So first thing he did was open all the cabinets and the refrigerator and there was food in there. Aww. And again, that is something that was uncommon. So in Romania, you waited in line for bread, milk, uh, meat, you know, canned products were in a alimentare. Um, I, uh, sorry. No, uh, please don't be sorry. I appreciate that. I don't know how to say it. In well, English. how would you? Like a, um, so, Seven um, Eleven ish type, like a oh, like okay, like a bodega. A bodega, yeah. Yes, a bodega is probably the the closest thing that would be it. But everything was like behind a corner a store, like a corner. St- okay, yeah, right. Nothing was on shelves. Like you didn't pick up your stuff. It was all behind a counter and you had to ask a very rude woman, typically. <laughs> in um, Romania? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because when I went back when I was seven, I experienced that too. Very, because I was used to, at that point when I was seven, I was used to America and where you just pick stuff off the shelf and put it in a cart, right? Yep. It, that wasn't how it was done oh, in that's Romania interesting. during okay. communism. Yeah. So, you know, he had all this food and my mom, you know, was shocked and whatever. And then he also said, and that's my car. So, you know, oh, then he said, that's Mike. Oh, yeah. I wonder why he was nervous. To- I, he wasn't nervous. No, not nervous. He, okay. He was a braggart. He was bragging. Oh, wait, yeah. Because when he picked you up, didn't he say? It, it's a friend's car. It's a friend's car. It's not my car. Don't get used to it. That oh, type of thing. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a, he was nervous. Like, I could talk about <laughs> not so nice things about my dad. He's like, but- now you guys are home. Let me tell you what's going on. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. And it was a, it was a bragging thing. He was like, look what I did and whatever. And of course, I'm, I'm sure my mom was overwhelmed, I'm especially sure, yeah. what she was used to. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will touch on the language thing. So something that my mom did when I was a little girl. So I started talking about when when I was about one and a half. Mm. So I was a early bloomer, if you will. Um, and I used to like re- recite little poems in Romanian and stuff like that. Yes. Did. If you still remember any of them, I'd love to hear them later. Oh, man. Yeah, I would have to think about it. Okay. Um, so I have a funny story, but I don't think I, sh- I should say that on air about a um, Christmas poem <laughs> that I had to recite in front of the church that my mom practiced with me when I was probably about seven. Oh, I mean, if you want to. I'm I, might, I might. I okay, might. Okay. It's funny. Okay. Um, okay. So anyway, with the language, she she did an incredible thing as far as putting it to a three, four, five-year-old, this is our secret language in this foreign country. Mm -hmm. So she continued to practice with me and answer all these questions because I guess I was a really inquisitive kid. And I would be like, well, why is the sky blue? And why is this? And why is that? And instead of being irritated, my mom really answered all those questions. Like Mm -hmm. she, she really did a great job. And made sure that I continued the language. Unlike a lot of Romanians, and especially at my church, where the parents said, when you're here, you're an American now. And I know other cultures have done that too, where they don't speak their native language because the parents wanted to assimilate so bad and wanted to make sure, hey, my kids are American now. And um, they lost the language. And, And I remember kids that I grew up with from church that didn't know Romanian well. Mm. Um, and my mom even did it with my brother and sister. My brother and sister, who are 10 and a half and 12 and a half years younger than me and born in this country, because of the way that I was brought up with that, and my mom continued to do that with them, that we made sure that they learned Romanian and they knew it. 
So I lo- I want to say how much I love this. I really do. And I mean, it warms my heart because I was just talking to a friend about this too, how much, how, how things have changed. And I, again, um, things should always change and evolve, right? Oh, this is just me. Like, but I, my mom, my mom, and I think I mentioned this on other podcasts, my mom's um, parents came from Italy and they lived with their grandparents and her grandparents would always say to her, talk English to me, speak English to me. I, oh, I need, you know, and it's so different, right? Because I know for me, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I would, I would absolutely love to know Italian. I would have loved to have been around that and been right. exposed to it and just, mm-hmm. you know, had both, had the dual. Right. And just been like, this is such a part of me. And I love knowing that your mom was like, this is a part of you. Yep. This is a part of you. Yep. Uh, and I love that. What's your mom's name again? Maria. Okay. Because yeah. I want to make sure. Okay. So Maria. Yeah. Uh, but she goes by Mimi. That's, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. She goes by Mimi, um, you know, ever since forever. Um, that was Mike's um, mom's nickname. Mimi? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was one of those things that while, yes, we were in America and we had to assimilate, you know, I remember when I was a little girl and in the, in the apartments at Rosemont, both my parents had to go to work and there was a Romanian company that was in right next to the apartments, right? Well, they left me, you know, at four and, you know, left food in the fridge and I knew how to work the TV and, you know, I had some toys and stuff to play with, but they had no choice. And yeah. that was, that was a cultural thing too. Like sure. that, that wasn't an odd thing to do in Romania necessarily. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things that I, before I started school, I kind of hung out at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like making a pot of coffee, like turning on soap operas. Um, I, I actually, I'm glad you mentioned that I wanted to ask. So what was the time your dad was here for about seven months before you arrived in the state, probably closer to a year. Cause I want to say we were, we were separated for about almost two years. I think like oh, 18, uh, 20 months, 18 months, something like that. What, what, so when your father came here, um, did he work for that Romanian company or what did your dad do? Um, uh, you know, odds Any, and ends, and so, anything, yeah, anything, anything that he, he could do. I remember him saying that when he was in that apartment, cause he was in uptown, Ironically enough, my husband and I, when we first moved in together, we lived about two blocks away from where my dad first lived when he moved here. Oh, yeah. oh. So yeah, that was it's kind of- It's funny how life does that. Right, Yeah, that's right? funny how life does that. Um. So yeah, so he, yeah, he lived on like Lawrence and Broadway, if I'm not mistaken, right um, around there. I, when I went to Loyola as a freshman, the summer before I applied for this program called the Urban Plunge. and there was a group of us, we, for a week before school started, we worked in Uptown at Lawrence and Broadway and we stayed at the youth hostel there. Yeah. We did like work in the neighborhood. And that was my first, um, I mean, I had been to Chicago before, but this was like my first really like dive into like different neighborhoods in Chicago. So when you said Lawrence and Broadway, I was like, oh, I know, (laughs) I know exactly where that is. Yep. Yep. And it may even be possible that he was at that hostel. Yeah. I mean, it's right there. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Okay. Um, yeah, but he said it's super duper dangerous. You know, had to sleep with like a, a knife under his pillow, yeah. six other guys, rodent problem, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. sure. Until, so odds and end jobs. Um, while I can say that my dad was a hustler mm-hmm. and I may take that uh, characteristic from him, I I believe that I've taken the positive yeah. hustler from him. Absolutely. He didn't always have the the best 
best way of doing things, if you will. Yeah. Can you blame it on his upbringing? Yeah, probably. My dad was adopted. Um, oh, okay. Come to find out when he was, I think, 10 or 11, that his his parents gave him up for adoption and had one more son. Um, oh. My grandmother, so his biological mom, ha- had this disease where she had, um, you know how babies have soft spots in yeah. their head? So it was one of those things. So she was developing it. Well, my grandfather, his biological da- father, was not a very good man or a nice mm. man and said, well, I can't have another kid. I already have four, you know, so gave up my dad to my adoptive, his, his adoptive mom was a nurse. So took him from the hospital and said, great, you know, one of those things. So he was adopted. So I think that affects, I think sure. that, that absolutely affects, yeah, yeah, that can affect people. When you, especially when you find that out, there's a, there's a sense of abandonment, abandonment uh, you rejection. Know. Right. Yeah. And it, his adoptive parents, again, um, weren't the greatest people either. They were shysters and, you know, that's what he learned. So yeah. it it's was like you're a product, to, a product of your environment sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I like to say that the the hustle, because I have a hustle and, and I have my whole life. You're um, so driven. I will say that you're very, and I really appreciate that about you. You're really driven. Yeah. And I believe um, everything that I've done in my life and and the where I've gotten at forty seven was because of the way that I was brought up, good, bad, and ugly. Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so that was yeah. So that was. Were your how? I mean, are your um how much older than you are your parents? Or like, did they have you when they were in their twenties? Yes. Okay. So my I'm right in between their birthdays. So my mom was nineteen. My dad was twenty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they were, they were young. They yeah. were young parents. It definitely, it was one of those things they were kind of pushed together mm-hmm. and it was what it was. And it was what it was. Yeah. I know things are, I, I absolutely. Yeah. And I do, I will say this too. I think the older I get, um, I don't know if I would have appreciated learning about things like this as much as I should have at 18 or 19 or 20, but in my forties, for some reason, this resonates with me so much learning about, um, the struggles of our parents and mm-hmm. how things were different. Right. Right. And just appreciating that and not saying it like in the old way, like, Oh, you know, I had a, do you remember like your parents or someone's just saying how hard it was for them? And like, you don't know how easy you have it. And I, I understand it now because it makes me appreciate all that was done before us to have us be where we are. True. And, you know, even just choices that were made mm-hmm. or, um, we may not understand it, but for them, that was, that was their choice, you know? Right. Or no choice. Or no choice. Or no choice. So I appreciate learning this a lot. Yeah. It makes me appreciate people because I read this recently too, that like, you know, um, (laughs) you know, we need to be, well, however you want to look at this. um, We have to remember that our parents are also living their first lives too. True. You know, it's not just like they were our parents and that's who they are. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're, they're here for the first time too. And they're figuring it out as we're figuring it out. Sure. So when I hear things like this, it just makes me want, like the next time I see your mom, I'll just, I don't know. I, I'll have a little bit more of an understanding of her. And I, I truly believe that my perspective, um, you know, you say that you realize that your parents are also living their first life and are, are, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're going through certain experiences and they're making certain choices and they say, you have it easy. Yeah. My grandpa used to say, I will just tell this, my grandpa, and I love my grandpa and he he died at 89, but 
I remember every Sunday he'd come over for Sunday dinner. And I don't know if it's like this in the Romanian household, but the Italians like Sunday dinner on Sunday is like at one o'clock right after church, even though it's dinner, it's at one o'clock, but he would always come and he'd, he'd always say to us, oh, you kids, you kids don't know how lucky you have it. You know, I couldn't buy your mom a bike. And I didn't understand it at the time. And I was like, no, I, but now I get it. Like to him, he saw that we had a house. We didn't have to worry about food. We had clothes, you know, we had education and like my mom grew up. It, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I look at it now through eyes of a 47 year old yep. as opposed to through eyes of a maybe 21 year old yep. where I, I didn't get it necessarily. Oh no. Cause it's a hard, you, at 20, you're still growing. Right. But I see, you know, in today's day and age and the kids that I've had to deal with ones that have worked for me, that mm-hmm. type of thing, the different perspective that they have. Um, and I still had struggles in my life. I, oh, absolutely. I, you know, and as everybody does, everybody has their own story and, and certain struggles, but. But don't you think it makes you? Oh, absolutely. I don't mean it like that, but like, I actually, I've gotten to a point and I wonder if you've ever gotten here too, where there's days when you, you do think, you do think whoever, whoever you, you know, thank God. I was like, if I had, I had a hard day at work last week and I just said, you know what? I'm actually really grateful for this. It taught me something about myself. Right. Do you ever have those? All the time. You do? Okay. All the t- More and- now than you did in your twenties? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. And I'm, I made a point, like, obviously the audience oh, can't see it, but oh. um, last year at the beginning of the year, I got a tattoo so- on my left arm that says, be grateful. And that was because- I think that's the first time I noticed that. That's oh, really? beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's so, it's so impactful for me because I have to remember how much I am grateful for. Like you had mentioned the, the IVF struggle. So my husband yeah. and I went through five failed IVFs. Mm. Finally, Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I didn't want you, you know, only want you comfortable with like what you share. I, I am happy to share it to as many people and as often as possible, because I don't think it's discussed as much as it should be. Um, And you hear about the happy stories. You know, you hear about the, oh, well, we went through 10 IVFs, but now we finally have our son or daughter, which is fantastic. And I love those stories, but I don't think women that I went through 10 IVFs and I sold my house and we went bankrupt. I didn't know that part. There's not me, but I've heard these stories, not me. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I know what you're saying. Yes. The stories of like the, the stories of, you know, unsuccessful journeys and, yeah. and you still went through all of these things. And that was something that I struggle with. And I know I totally transitioned from my hair. No, this is what this, listen, <laughs> this is your space and this is what shapes you. And I yeah. want you to know that like, we are here for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the transition of, you know, going through all of this and not getting the prize at the end. Like yeah. you just went through the Cracker Jack box and it was the one box that didn't have a prize at the end. That's really shitty. It is like, shitty. No, it's totally like, shitty. It is. I, oh, I love this Cracker Jack box. You know, especially those big ones. That's a lot of caramel popcorn. It's a eat. lot of caramel. And when you're, when you're six, all you want is whatever the hell was at the bottom of that box. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know? no, this, I, um, I really appreciate you saying that very much because as much as as much as I said this in the introduction and I meant it, Marla, I hated when you shared that with me, it broke my heart because no, I, I hate that you went through struggle. I hate that. Like, I hate that. Like, I'm going to cry now, but just, it was a sense of calm and because you understood the emotion. Totally. Because it's this, um, I, okay, let me ask you this. It's this emotion of, did you ever have this emotion of, okay, you went through it and everything looked great at the hospital and you're like, okay, so that should work, right? This should work, right? but it doesn't work. But then afterwards, did you ever feel you had to, well, not, I, I, I want to be careful with how I say it. 
I made the choice. I didn't feel like I had to, but I made this choice where I was like, no, I'm going to have a better attitude about it. No, it's okay. It's not God's, whatever, God's will or whatever. And I just, I remember thinking this year, it's okay to start sharing how much it's shitty and how much it affected me. Do you ever feel that way? All the time. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not putting on a front, like, no, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's hard on your body. It is. And I think that people should, women who go through it and men, because and men. Not, oh, yes. you know, it, the, the, the husband or, you know, your partner, partner yeah. it affects them too. And I feel oh. that sometimes they don't even, not that they don't, aren't allowed the grace. There's no space. To, right. Right. To be able to discuss it or how they feel about it. Because I, my husband, you know, he's a big old cop and bar, you know, he like, <laughs> but he's like a teddy bear. He, yes, he, he is. And you saw really, that at our wedding. I did. He's such a teddy baby. bear. I was like, oh, Ken, we're going to sit down and talk, Ken. <laughs> yes. And, and, but it's true. But his front, you know, because he's being strong for me or, you know, like recently, um, I, there's a girlfriend who her and her yeah. husband also had I, IVF struggles and she ended up getting pregnant and she's a year oh. younger than me. And, and it was, it affected me. It does. I can compartmentalize and be very happy for them. And I, and I am, I am very, very happy for them. But was it a gut punch or was it a doubtful moment for me mm. where I thought, okay, well, I didn't do enough or oh. I didn't try more yeah. or, you know, I was a slacker or whatever, whatever hundred words that you can say about not doing enough. Yeah. That was what I thought of initially. And I'm like, well, you know, but I did, I, I did what That's great I that you were honest. To I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. But I, I had to go back with therapy. I, I highly recommend therapy in general, but with therapy, I had to go back and say, yes, I'm allowed to feel whatever certain way that I do while I'm going through the process of this grief. Yes. And it'll get easier or maybe not as often or, you know, whatever the case may be, but you're allowed to process it when it, when those feelings come up. Definitely. Let me read. I want to read to you. When you said that about grief, I just took a screenshot the other day and I need to read this too. Yeah. Um, I found, (laughs) as all things find me on Instagram, I found that this found me on Instagram. I love it. Um, as hard as it is, grief never leaves you, but it can inspire or shift your life in unexpected ways that bring about change and hope. Oh, I love that. And I, I don't know if that was the first time I'd ever looked at it like that when I, and I appreciated that because it's so true. I, um, wait, can I share something now please, too? Please, please. So I've had, so we met a month ago and it was so much fun. We had brunch, but um, I've had this cough since November and it's finally going away thanks to steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, steroids. Um, Get your drug on. But I, it's funny because, as you know, you and I've talked, you know, I, I always want to go the holistic route. I right. really do. You know, and I am grateful for both. And I think I've said this, but yes, I, as much as I can, I feel like because acupuncture has like healed me so mm-hmm. much, I wanted to do that, but nothing was working. Like yep. nothing was working. And my, my naturopath, the woman I see for acupuncture, she finally said to me, she goes, you know, the lungs represent grief. And I wonder if you're holding on to a lot <sighs> of grief. And I just, I remember thinking- Oh my gosh. You know, I, I think it is. I mean, I think there's a physical component to it too, right? Like, you know, bacteria, but I do, I do believe that. And I, she goes, I just, you know, I, I really, I really encourage you to be gentle with yourself. You know, it's January. There's a lot of grief in your lungs. It's something, you know, and I remember thinking two years ago is when I had my miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm attempting to do is actually, and I mean this, 
I mean this truly, not just saying this, I'm attempting to allow the grief to surf, if that makes sense. Yes. Not, not suppress it. Yeah. You know, and just, yes, I'm grateful for the steroids, all jokes aside, like sure. my cough is finally gone. Right. But I am also acknowledging like, okay, so there's probably a ton of this unprocessed grief, right? Absolutely. Um, that I want to just talk about. Yeah. Like, and, and allow, allow, I always call it her. I'm like, allow, I always say her, I'm like, you know, I want you to know, like, I, I know you're here. I appreciate you being here. I know you were protecting me, but like, I want you to know you're here and you're safe to come out. However that means. Oh, well, do you know what that. I mean? And I don't yes. mean to sound weird. I, I don't. It's but, not at all. But like, I, I resonate with that on a thousand percent level. I know. Okay. I know. I know you do. Yeah. And I know that also you have a background in like holistic health mm-hmm. too. And, but when she said that to me, I was so grateful. She said that to me because I, I know like this is something, I'm sorry. And I mean, I hope I didn't hijack the conversation. Not at all, please. But it's just, a conversation. It is girl. a conversation. <laughs> But I, I do believe trauma stored in our bodies, mm-hmm. you know, and it manifests in however many weird ways. But I do, I was grateful she said that because I wanted, I, I wanted to give this grief an opportunity to feel heard. Because I, I like what you were saying at the time, like you had this grief and like a trigger or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, but it's, um, I don't want to suppress that anymore. It's not that I want to be like running the streets crying, but I want to be honest. If someone asks me like, how are you doing? Instead of saying, oh, I'm fantastic. I want, I really want to be like, you know what? I'm actually, I think today's a hard day. Yeah. And I want to start saying that. Do you ever yeah. feel that? All, all the time. You do? Okay. All the time. And trust me, I am one of those people that I am fine to the hilt. <laughs> when, when, when I tore my hamstring right off the bone, Oh. When I went to my first outing oh. and I was fine. Oh, your golf outing for I, work? No, no. My first outing after my surgery. Oh, just like getting out of the house? Oh, yeah, the, for work. My first outing for work and it was a dinner. And um, in my scooter, okay, because I couldn't oh, put it any, that's... remember, I couldn't put any weight on it. So I wheeled my ass into- this, You did. I you did. did. I wheeled my ass into this room with like, I don't know, a thousand pe- union guys. And I wheeled all around and I made my rounds and I did what I did. And then finally, um, I have a retiree that works for me. He put me at a table because he's like, you have to relax. Mm. And he took my scooter away. (laughs) And he put it, I'm not even kidding. He took my scooter away, put it by the wall and told people, go to Morella so she doesn't, she doesn't, so she doesn't wheel all over the place and like fall or God forbid, who knows? Cut to someone's like on your scooter, just like like scooting around the room. So yes, I, I hear you. Aww, we someone should. made you. Someone made you take a minute. Yes, someone made me take wow. a minute because I don't do that. So so Mary, if please preach that when you're having a shitty day, <laughs> be like, this fucking sucks, yo. And and <laughs> the end. I don't have to go into the end. it. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Like, I don't have to go into it, but today was bad. Well, this I, was bad. I'm going to tie this together here because I, this is something I've never really said out loud, but I'm, we both come from very strong cultural backgrounds, yes. right? And I'm grateful for it. I think I, and I mean that, like, although my dad was not Italian, he absolutely took on my mom's Italian identity. Nice. But I think one of the biggest things for me with fertility was, um, because in Italian culture, right? It's like you get, okay, so, okay. You have babies, right? You have babies. Yes. Like you get married, you have babies. You're right. And it's not that it's talked about if there was struggles. I think my mom would always mention like, oh, she had an aunt, or right? Or like there was a aunt or a great aunt or a friend of her mom's who just couldn't conceive. Right. But that was very rare. And now for me, I get, I'm wondering if it was like, is that like that in Romanian culture? It is in old school Romanian is culture. Is it? Okay. Um, as far as, New school. At the same time, I removed myself from the church, the you know, 
Romanian. Um, it was toxic. It wasn't. Mm. Once I got into my teens, um, I really, I really wanted to be part of the church. Did you? Okay. I really did. I really did. When I was a little girl, and you know, little, and then into preteens and whatever, you know, we would go to church every Sunday. I really wanted to hang out with my Romanian friends. In the summer, every once in a while, I would stay at one of their houses for a long weekend. Did or you week like or resonate with them? Like, was there this like like this emotional bond? I always felt that I wasn't good enough, or Aww. because they were, and and this is stupid, quite no. frankly. Um, they were part of a different um, area in Romania. What area so, did you come from? So I came from the capital, from Bucharest. Okay, right. So they came from more of the country, different countrysides. Okay, right. And in Romania, you know, just like north and south, there's a divide, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're for north or now it's a little sure. bit different, but you know, north and south, there was a divide. Well, it's the same thing in Romania. So they looked down on me mm. because they didn't want yeah. me to look down on them first because I'm a city uh, girl wow. and they're country folk. Oh yeah, it was totally stupid. Yeah. But no, that's real. But, but that's that's real. That's yeah. something that's real. Well, something that I didn't realize. Now their parents are the ones that obviously taught them this. Well, I, I didn't realize it at the time. I just wanted these people to be my friends, mm-hmm. right? So once I got my license, I would still try to go. And it was probably in my early 20s that I, it just wasn't good for me anymore. I didn't yeah. want to hang out. These people obviously didn't want to be my friends. They didn't want to hang out with me. God knows what their parents told them. Yeah. So I don't want to hang out with you anymore. But good for you for knowing yeah. that at an early age. Yeah. And the church at the same time, all I saw the church was a fashion show where mm. you got judged. I even, so there's two Romanian Orthodox churches in the city. Yeah. Where are they? Um. So, when I was a kid, um, it was on Polina and Devon. Oh, yeah. And then they moved. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They moved. Like, currently where it is, it's on Lincoln and in between Tuim and Peterson. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I used to live up there. Okay, I didn't yeah. realize that was a Romanian Orthodox. Okay. So that's where the one that, where my dad got sponsored and whatever, that's where it is now. The other one is right by my house now. It's on Central and Irving. Is there like, um, is there a more, is there a concentrated Romanian population on the north sides of Chicago? Um, there used to be a pretty big one right on like Lakeshore Drive and Devon-ish okay. area. Um, that, that was a big, there was quite a few buildings. By Loyola, yeah. Ish, yeah. Yeah, okay. There was quite a few, uh, Marine, Marine Drive. Yeah. Yeah. There was quite a few buildings that were either owned by Romanians or uh, maintained, like the maintenance. Oh, that's fascinating. Were, yeah. Okay. So there was a lot of Romanians, especially the ones that fresh off the boat and stuff. That live there. Yeah. Uh, or if they were the older population that maybe that didn't live with, you know, one of their children mm-hmm. um, would stay in those apartments. Okay. So, um, yeah. But you, but you left. You left. Good for you. Yeah, I did. I did. I, in, in my 20s, I'm like, I this. it's just not worth it for me. Did I lose my Romanian heritage? Absolutely not. I was still very proud Romanian. Did you, did you guys move out of the city? We never lived in the city. You know, oh, that's right. You were in Rosemont. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you lived in Rosemont. So we, right. So we lived in Rosemont. And then the first house my parents bought was in Hoffman Estates. Mm. And so we lived there for a little bit. And then we moved to the last house that my parents lived in together mm-hmm. in Ingleside, which is by Fox Lake. Um, did you feel though, like the majority, like with your parents to the majority of community that you had was with Romanians? 
Yes. And or did you have any other relatives that came over? No, uh, we did, but none really that stayed. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So when I was, when we were still in Hoffman Estates, my mom's mom, and I say that, and I don't call her my grandmother because Mm -hmm. we had a very toxic relationship Mm. and she was not a nice lady. I'm sorry. It is what it is again. But it's good. um, I appreciate you being honest about it. So thank you for being honest and not sugarcoating it. Yeah. And it, Again, it is what it is, and that also shaped me. <laughs> Wait, can I say, I say have you ever seen my big fake Greek wedding? Oh yeah, I'm thinking of the grandma who only wore black and who would like that. <laughs> oh yeah, that was my <laughs> great grandma. I will, I will tell you, my great grandma was the most amazing lady ever. God oh. rest her soul. On your mom's side, on my mom's side. Okay. Um, I will never forget. My dad and I went to Romania when I was 17 years old. First thing my great grandma asked me, she said, "How are the boys in America?" <laughs> And what did you say? She, and, I, and I was 17 and I go, well, I don't know. Booney is what we called her. And I go, I don't know, Booney, you know, they're this, that, and the other. I was 17. I was like a junior in, yeah. in high school. And I go, well, so, and I, but she was in, let's see, she had to be, if I was 70, she had to be in like her late 70s at oh, that's that point. Amazing. She had like full cataract on one eye. Oh. And, and she goes, it's okay. I'm going to come to America oh. and I'm going to see. And I go, I wish, I wish that this woman would have come oh, to this day. I wish she would have too. Booney. Booney. She, she, she was uh, a, an amazing, amazing lady. But um, so my mom's mom came when I was seven. And then, and that is because my mom uh, got pregnant with, I had a little brother who passed away who was stillborn before my sister. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So she, you know, she had come uh, in hopes of, you know, helping my mom out and whatever else. And then, you know, he ended up passing away. She went back mm. and then she came back when my brother was born and okay. kind of helped w- with him. Um, yeah. And then her sister came too. So my mom's sister came for a little bit when my mom owned a, a flower shop in Vernon Hills. Oh, cool. For a few years and stuff. But again, her sister, they, they butted heads. They weren't, cl- they weren't like my sister and I. Yeah. They, they butted heads. Uh, it was a competition. I think they were like two years apart or whatever. Okay. Uh, it just was one of, they just didn't get along the way yeah. that close siblings are. And it is what it is. And that's fine. It and is. Yeah. That, that is their story. And that is their relationship. And so they came, let's see. And then my dad's, um, Again, when we were in Hoffman Estates, his adoptive, one of his adoptive brothers came. That was a hot mess too, because he was possibly schizophrenic mm. or had some kind of mental disorder. Again, this was in the 80s. Like, we didn't know anything. So it seemed like you that. had more visitors. You didn't have family that came to right. like stay here. Okay. Although he did, like, we kicked him out just because he wasn't, you know, healthy in yeah. the household. We kicked him out. He ended up joining the US Army. They like sent him to Germany. Somebody beat the shit out of him. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was all like convoluted. Then he came back to the States, married some crazy woman. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, wow. Don't even, I don't know if he's alive. Okay. He's still married. I don't, God, I hope they didn't have kids. Like, no offense, but nope. I, when, you know, I, I, I get that. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. So that's, we never really had family. I think my, again, my dad had a, a cousin that adoptive cousin again who came and lived in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and maybe we saw them a couple times but nothing I, I always missed that um cousin type mm. extended family you know because anytime we 
and my parents did that with a re- I assume they did that with a reason as far as bringing these people yeah. over in hopes that it would stick and we would be able to have that extended family community. Yeah. And we just never did. Yeah. You know, so it's unfortunate. My cousin who I was mentioning who was supposed to, to come to my wedding, um, they, on the other hand, are great. You stayed really close with them. Very close with That's them. That's amazing. Yeah. We went to their wedding. So that was the last time that I was in Romania. When was um, that? That was, unfortunately, like 17 years ago. That, did, did you love going back? Um, I liked going back to visit. I didn't like the circumstances that we were in for a couple of reasons. So at that point in my life, it was actually longer than 17 years because I was like 28. Okay. I was unhealthy. I, I was the heaviest I ever was. Sure. Um, were you dealing with a sickness? No. No. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, I just, the play. I had gone through a really bad breakup and I ended up gaining a bunch of weight. I, mm-hmm. I just was unhappy in my skin. I oh, worked sure. as a, a bartender. I wasn't really happy with that either. Um, yeah, just my life in my late 20s wasn't that great. Just a, yeah, just just a period. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when I went to Romania, it was for my cousin's wedding and Romanian weddings you know, are three days long. But I just want to, so you had gone back when you were seven with your dad and then was this the second time? So the first time I went was when I was seven with my mom. With your mom, your mom, okay. And then when I was 17 with my dad. And then? And then when I was like 28 so this with is my your, whole family. This is your third, third time, time. Guy, okay. Yeah. Um, and the whole family went, mom, dad, brother, and sister. My dad dri- used to drive like an asshole, you know, and it was horrible in those times. And now we only had a stick shift and only- me and him knew how to drive stick. So and when you went to Romania, when we went to Romania. So nobody else could have driven. I mean, I think my brother, and I think my sister may have had her license, but either yeah. way, we're not going to put her behind the stick shift on the Autobahn. You know, it's one of those, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Um, so yeah, it was, and it was uncomfortable because of the relationship that mm. everyone had. Now I was an adult. I wasn't a child anymore. I was smoking. I, I used to smoke cigarettes. Um, I would have to hide from my dad because God forbid he can't see me smoke at 28 years old. Oh my gosh. You know, so it was one of those things that was just an uncomfortable space. Yes, did we have good moments? You know, we landed in Munich, went to um, uh, Venice for three days Mm. and it was beautiful. But again, I didn't, it wasn't comfortable in my skin. Yeah. So I could have probably had more fun. Um, You know, I had to, I had to get like, I think like a size 20 uh, bridesmaid dress while my sister had like a size four. Yeah, I get that. I totally, you know. I get that. Yeah. So it was, it was one of those things. I look back at pictures now. <laughs> and you can't look at them. I, I, I have a, I can look at them now, probably about 10 years ago. I was having a, a harder time. Definitely. I, I resonate with that so much because so, you don't recognize that person. I, I don't. And I, I was on, I could look at myself and I see that I was unhealthy. Right. Yeah. So while I, I should have enjoyed myself. We were there for a month. A month? Yeah, like in Europe. So we landed in Munich. We went to Venice and stayed for some time. We were in Romania for two weeks. On the way back to Germany, we went to uh, Vienna for another like three, four days. Sounds great. It was. It it should have been amazing. I know what you mean. Yeah. Can I ask a silly question? What is the um, what is the food like in Romania? Um, like what's a typical Romanian dish? Okay, so. You should have come to our sausage party because um, I would love. To, I will say yes to the next invite. <laughs> if there is an invite in my future, yes, yes. we are in. Um, 
so my husband loves to cook and he, before we started dating, he always wanted to have a sausage party. Oh wait, is your husband Romanian? No, he's Polish and Russian. <laughs> I know. I just had, yeah. to, I had to throw that out there. Right? Okay. Um, but there are these uh, Romanian sausages that are typically grilled. Normally they're made with like a lamb, beef and veal. Okay. Uh, no casing. Mm, and okay. And you dip them in some yellow mustard. Oh. And when we went, when I was 27, on our way to, where do we go? The mountains, I think. You stop on the side of the road and there's some dude with a grill and he's grilling meat <sighs> and selling them. That sounds great. Oh my gosh. That it's, sounds great. It, it was so great. So now in the state. What is it called? Meat. Meat. Okay. Or like the technical term is meat. Mitite. Mitite. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, that that's quintessential uh, saramale, which is stuffed cabbage. But I know, I, I think the Polish and Russian do it with red sauce. We don't do it with red okay. sauce. So that's something that my mom makes. Um, that sounds uh, really good as well. Yes, it's absolutely delicious. Um, the thing that my mom makes that everybody loves, and we always ask her to make more, and it is probably the most time-consuming thing on the planet to make, <laughs> is uh, salata de beef, okay. which is technically beef salad. So in the old country, you would boil the beef and you you cut it into itty-bitty little squares along with all the other veggies. So there's there's carrots in there, there's pickles, there's uh, hard-boiled eggs, and then you mix it with like a mayo and mustard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my mouth wow, literally sounds, it does salivated. sound really good, yeah. So all of us, all three kids, my my sister and brother and I, anytime my mom makes it, we're like, yep, we want some, please. <laughs> please, please bring um, it wherever you go. <laughs> and then this is your opportunity. Is there any Romanian restaurants in Chicago you go to or in the Chicagoland area, I should say, like that if you want to shout out here, I'd love to know. I'd love to go. There used to be there. There used to be one um, right on like uh, Irving and Lincoln mm-hmm. and he closed. What was it called? Little Bucharest. Ooh. It's very sad. Before they closed, I actually brought my for Easter for our Easter. Yeah. Uh, I brought my boss my bosses, the husband, wife, and oh, their yeah. son uh, to an Easter. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And oh, it's just so good. I, Romanian food is, it's hearty. I was just going to say, it way. sounds like, it sounds comforting. Yes. It sounds hearty. It sounds like, I, I don't know, nourishing. Like yes. it just fills your belly. Yep. Yes. Definitely fills well, your I'm belly. I'm going to have to, well, if you find them, if you hear of another one, I'd love to try it. Yes. I would, I would definitely love to find another. Now what I found on Facebook, there's different women typically that will um make food and sell it for parties really so, okay. so they'll, they'll make meat raw ones i think you can also find it at you can find meat at uh fresh farm that's okay. where my husband found it at. Okay. but they'll make food for holidays typically so they'll make saramale they'll make salata de beef they'll make pastries romanian pastries what's a romanian pastry like um oh um do you like them? Um, they're fine. They're yeah. okay. They're they're very decadent. Oh, they're very very decadent and sweet, and you feel yourself gaining weight. There is <laughs> there is an I, I will tell I just you feel myself gaining. I literally weight. feel as I'm eating it. It's great. Um, there is an amazing uh, Romanian restaurant in Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Um, that. It, Yes, if if you're ever ever down. What's there. it called? It's okay. You know what? Yeah. I'll look it up and yes. I will look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. Yes. Um I just love I love that so much. I I'm 
You know what? I'm hopeful that another one will open in Chicago or the Chicago so Chicago area. This sounds really, but I'd also like to come to your sausage party yes. and have that. And you dip it in mustard? Y- yellow mustard. Yellow mustard. Just yellow mustard. That's uh, that's how it's done in Romania. Yes. Do you cook no. Romanian food? I have tried. I actually made pierogies for, for uh, Christmas for my husband. Uh, what and kind? Um, it was a uh, mushroom potato. Oh. Yeah. That was really nice. Because you know they don't eat meat on Christmas Eve. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Polish. I, but I think it's quite a few cultures, like Polish, Russian, Mexican. Technically, maybe, um, if you're like <clears throat> like an Italian culture, we never did this growing up because my mom said it was too much work. Technically, on Christmas Eve in Italian culture, you do the Feast of the Seven yes, Fishes. Something about the fishes. fishes. Yep. Um, it's just a lot of work. And she, yeah. I remember her saying, I never wanted to do it with you kids because A, you probably wouldn't eat it. <laughs> and <laughs> But now I think I even said to Mike, I was like, I'd actually like to try that. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. But what oh. is it? What? What's not worth it that, I mean, it's going to be worth it, right? Right. It's like not so much about the eating of the food, but it's like the doing it together. Yes. And while the pierogies took me literally three hours to make, legit. Oh, I believe it. Three hours. I, while I was in it, I'm like, all right, now I'm in it. Now I have to finish it. (laughs) Now I have no choice. Um, But I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And my sister, who is also married to a Polak, um, she Is she? Yeah. um, Tim. Okay. Yeah, he's Polish. He's How, Polish and German. Isn't that ironic that yeah. like you both married Polish men? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Luckily, my name, um, so my father-in-law, I don't really know where Kopier comes from. I'm not going to lie. Okay. But my sister is Slamkowski, so that's kind of a given. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a lot of work, but it's worth it. Um, I do have a Romanian cookbook and I have cooked Romanian. Mm-hmm. I would like to do it more. <clears throat> I just have a hard time, you know, getting into the kitchen because my husband really likes to Oh, oh, maybe you could like ask him to have a day where you guys do it together. No, nobody wants to do that because then we'll get divorced. <laughs> nobody wants that either. So. He's, oh my God. <laughs> he's, he's very territorial of the kitchen. And now we have a much bigger kitchen than we did in Uptown. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're all in my space. I'm like, are you crazy? Like we have, he, he made me a, an island. Oh, that's so right. I have yeah. all this extra space plus a lot more counter space than we did in Uptown. And I go, really? We can't do stuff together? He's getting better. Okay. He's definitely getting better. That's what marriage is about, right? Sure is. Ooh, <laughs> if you guys ever have like where you make all the Polish food and all the Romanian food, like that would be incredible. Yeah. Um, thank you for going on that tangent. Yes, I, these sorry, are the li- no, yes. no, don't, please don't be sorry. I, these are the little things I like to touch on in heritage. Because, I mean, don't you feel that food is such a big part of culture? Totally. And especially like, even when you're talking about like the cooking and the making and like, it's such a big part of who we are. It is. Um, but I know you were saying when you were 28 and you, that was the last time you were in Romania. Yes. And it wasn't like the best time for you. Right. Okay. And I, I want to go back. I, you know, does be- Ken want to go? Yes. Yeah. And we'd like to go to both Poland and Romania. And all of my extended family is still in Romania. So if I go there, yeah, I would have lots and lots of family to visit. Um, What's yeah. the weather like? I mean, is it pretty typical? Like, do they get winters, summers? They do. It's not as harsh as Chicago. Okay. So it's definitely milder. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I remember when we when I went with my dad when I was 17, it was winter. How so did the, you guys go for then? Did you go for a month? No, no. I... A week. A week. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that long. And my mom and I, when we went, when I was seven, we went for like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when I was seven, it was still communist. Is it, It's not communist it's, anymore? No. Our revolution was um, 89, 90. 
Okay. So when I was 17, it was right after the revolution. So everything was a hot mess because, you know, there, there was no more parties. They just killed Ceausescu, yeah. the, the dictator and his psycho wife. Um, but everything was, you know, there was still the old school that liked the communism because mm-hmm. there was structure and order. Sure. Um, and all the kids, you know, maybe a little bit older than me that were like, well, no, this is a new regime, you know, democracy and we're doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out now, I was, I, I don't remember what I was reading, but uh, come to find out that Romanian economy is booming. Like, is it? That's great. Yeah. They want to, they want to, you know, leave the, the UN and they're, they're doing great on their own. Our economy, our real estate, oh, that's um, great they no hear. longer want to use the Euro. We want to go back to the, the lay, which oh, is our money. That was called, okay. Um, yeah. So I'm proud. I'm oh, super proud of that. You should yeah. be proud. Yeah. I, I actually had, I, I don't I'm not trying to make a joke, but like, I don't know much about Romanian culture and it's not that I didn't want to research. However, I am a better learner by listening. Yeah. So I wanted to hear it. You know what I mean? I wanted to hear it from you yeah. and I will do some reading on this, but this is just, this is just fascinating. Yeah. And our, da- our dances, like that was one thing that I couldn't do as a kid. My brother and sister were able to go to the church and be in the dance group. Okay. And I wanted to, I, I really wanted to be in Romanian dancing, but you know, our, our universe, the, the, is it the like dress. Irish dance? You know what I mean with the Irish dancing? Like, is it's, it? It's a little bit different. Okay. Um, if you ever get a chance to go to the Field Museum, in I the, just went Chris, in the, during <gasps> Christmas. Yeah. Um, I think my church still, well, my was, old church still does the Romanian dancing shows <gasps> there. Oh, next year for sure. It's. it's I remember beautiful. seeing the Romanian Christmas tree, and it was beautiful. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I will do that. Yeah. I would but love to do that. The Romanian dancer, you know, the dancing is absolutely beautiful. Um. Yeah, it's 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 really really nice. I wish everyone could see the smile on your face. Yeah. You're very proud of your heritage. I am. I am. That's amazing. I, I, I have a, um on my back one of my tattoos that I got a long long time ago, and I actually got it. It was on my birthday with my brother, and we got matching tattoos. It's the Romanian and um uh, American flag. Oh, I love. Yeah. That. So I have it in a heart. My brother <clears throat> has it um, on his bicep. Okay. The Romanian and American flag, and that that was very special that day was very very special to me yeah to be able to share that with my brother and to impart the culture you know that I was born there and he wasn't and to be able to make sure that that's extended mm. and both my siblings are very proud to be Romanian and I love that that's amazing I truly love that. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to take pride in your culture yeah because yep. it makes you who you are right and it right. shapes you I do want to say one thing. I, there was something that I really wanted to say while I was on here, especially since I was talking about my heritage and if I can show perspective. Yes, as far please as the do. way that I kind of see things. And I know we've talk, talked yeah. about it. Being from a different country and having to go through the things that I went through and remembering every time we asked a family member to come, it was hours in immigration. Um, when the first time my mom asked her, no, the second time my mom, I think it asked her mom because the first time, because my dad was a, a citizen, he was able to, to put the invite. But the second time the U S government said, no, 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 she's your mom. You're the one that has to make the invite. Well, now she had to become a citizen. So I remember distinctly, and I think that people don't realize that this is the case hours in immigration offices and hours in, in different city offices and state offices that I, I feel people take for granted mm-hmm. nowadays. And people think that they should just get whatever they want whenever they want. And 
I believe you have to go through a certain process to truly appreciate it and bring back something positive into the community. Mm. I think that if you're just given something, you you don't value it. Yeah. There's no value because you're just given it. It's not about pissing anybody off, but it's just a perspective of yeah. what I had to go through as a child. And, you know, because both my parents became citizens before I turned 18, I didn't actually have to take the test or anything like that. The child automatically gets it. I was just about to ask that. Okay. Yeah. So, but both my parents had to get, you know, their citizenship and it is a process. It's hard. And yeah. for someone who, you know, English is not, and I say that to this day, English is not my first language. You would say that your English is not. I can think of the word in Romanian for whatever reason. And it, it might be because of the fact that I did speak such fluent Romanian when I first came to this mm. country, even at four, yeah. where I learned via TV. That's, you oh, know, did when you? I, well, when I was, what you know, I was left oh, at home true. at that's four, true. I had the TV on. I remember Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. And that's, that's really how I learned English until I was able to go to school. I think something that's important to me, and I've shared this with you too, it is it is good to hear perspectives. Mm -hmm. It is good. And it's, um, I mean, for, I will say this personally, it's good for me to hear all perspectives. Everyone is such, everyone has such a different um, life path Absolutely. or their lens, right? The way they mm -hmm. like, because of all this, you have a different lens, right? right. Like, um, th thank you for allowing me to share that. Well, I just, yeah. sometimes I, you, I, I feel people are so scared to, to share their perspective. Yeah. Um, and they don't, and, and it's unfortunate. And I think that all of us can learn from everyone else yeah, if absolutely. you just give it the opportunity mm -hmm. and, and just open your mind and not be so blindsided and mm -hmm. just knowing how, how, even if I don't agree, I know that we've talked about oh, yeah. other, other podcasts and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't really agree with that. And that's allowed. That's totally fine. But that is that person. But it's also journey. human, right? Right. I don't know. I think the older I get, and I was saying this to you before we started, it's just the older I get. And as scared as I am, right? It's scary sometimes because mm -hmm. I know, nat I don't know if you're like this, like naturally, like as a people pleaser, naturally, I just want us all to get along. Yes. However, I will say the older I get, I, I, I absolutely want to hear different stories. I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know why you are the way you are. I want to mm -hmm. know why you think the way you do. Yep. And I want to know. Yep. And maybe there'll be a moment where I'm like, oh, but then it settles and you're like, I want to understand this person. I really mean that. I'm not just saying that. That's why you're such a good human. Oh, I, I don't know. No, I, I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have different thoughts on things, you know, and I, I mean, I don't have a ton of opinion on a lot of stuff in life. I don't like when people are bullied. Agreed. Um, bullies are terrible. Yes. But bullies are often people who are bullied and they need to be healed. You know, <laughs> isn't the saying hurt people, hurt people, hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think, especially in the last couple years, I, um, it's such a gift to be surrounded with, it's a gift to be around people and learn different perspectives. And I mean that with all my heart, you know, I agree. I wish you would have met my dad because he would have loved you. And he, I looked at him so different growing up, but now I understand who he, why he was the way he was. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted to hear everybody out. He really did. Oh, I love that. You know, he did. I just, and I want to be that too. I may not, how, how, let me say this. I, it doesn't matter if I agree or not. My opinion should not matter. Does that make sense? Agreed. You should not give a shit what I think. And I mean that. I I disagree. You, oh. you should you should give a shit what people think. You don't have to take it to heart. You don't okay, have to take it personally. But, but I want to know. Like, I want to yeah. know what my friends feel. Yeah. I want to know why my friend, why does this bother you? Yeah. Right? Or why does this really trigger you? I right. want to know these things. Yeah. 
And like, I want to talk about it. Like, I think you've heard me say this. Like, would you ever want to come back? Always. Because I want, I do want more open conversations with women. Yeah. And even if it's like to the point, I don't know. Do you ever feel that I've always said to um, Mike, I really, people may not know sometimes how I feel about stuff. I want people to, I want people to know me by how I walk through life. I love that. You know, I want yeah. you, she walks through life like this. She's compassionate. Mm -hmm. She's kind. Um, does she, I'm just trying to think of something funny. Like she's compassionate and kind. Do I care that she is like into Christian rock? No. Like, you know, I'm trying to right. think of something funny. Like, right. like, I want people to see that. And that's how I hope to look at others too. How do they walk through life? Right. I see how you walk through life and it's pretty incredible. I feel like, I don't know, now knowing all this about you, it makes more sense to me. I will say this. It makes more sense to me, your, your drivenness, mm -hmm. why you're driven. I don't know. I don't, does that make sense? Like it I, does. like I see why you're driven and you're, you're very positive. Maybe you don't see that, but I think you're very, you, if there's an obstacle, you see it, you acknowledge it, but then you, you go, you you find a way to move through that obstacle. Yes, yes, yes. And I do believe that that is my upbringing is you, okay. to go because I, you know, I, I went through a decent amount of obstacles, some that I created, quite mm, frankly. Yeah, it, for it, sure. It's true. Not some, some, yes, were given to me, were dealt to me, but some I created and, and I will, now I will acknowledge my mistakes and Lord knows I had enough of them, especially <laughs> through my 20s. Oh, I know. I, I will acknowledge it. And my, my mom to this day will say, I remember when you would sit on the couch and you'd say, just wait, mom, I'm going to change. And she's like, and I kept waiting and it was years and, and I was still waiting. And then, and I go, it's true. And, and I remember those conversations with, with my parents and my mom and stuff like that. And I did. I it was certain things that I just had to go through and I yeah. had to figure it out my own way. And ironically enough, when my brother and sister were, were growing up since I was so much older than them, I remember them bringing boyfriends and girlfriends to the house and they were more scared of getting introduced to me than my dad. Oh my gosh. Legit. <laughs> Legit. Cause I, I, that's who I was in my twenties. And yeah. I, like I would rip somebody's head off if I didn't like them. And especially if it had to do with my family. Mm. I, I was a fear. I, I am still fiercely loyal. I can tell. Yeah. But maybe it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as mellow uh, back in my twenties. I, I was a little too fierce. Now I am still fiercely loyal, um, but I'm able to use my words a little bit more. Lead me into two questions. Okay. If that's okay. Yes, if you're ready please. for these questions. I'm ready. I'm ready. So what has your story taught you about yourself in life? And I know like, I mean, I, First of all, I, I really want to acknowledge, thank you for sharing the fertility part too, because I didn't want to ever, that's your story. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Of course. But what would you say, like all of this, what has it taught you about yourself in life? That I am stronger than I think. Uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest one. I am definitely stronger than I think I am. Um, and it is a constant journey of, mm -hmm. of strength. Uh, but I also feel that I can impart some wisdom that I've learned over all of these struggles to other people. So maybe they can, it can lessen the blow for someone else. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that as you listen to yourself, just tell all this stuff and you're like, wow, I've actually been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when I tell the story, yes, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I guess, I guess that's some shit. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone through some shit. Um, yes. Yes. As I, as I listen to myself, because I don't give, I know I don't give myself enough credit mm -hmm. in general and people tell me that. Um, but it, speaking it, and I appreciate you giving me a platform. Um, I definitely, realize that um 
you know, I do have something to offer and I have gone through some stuff and, oh, and, yeah. uh, um, I am strong. I am a, a strong person. And, and again, like I said, hopefully I can impart some of that onto someone else and, and help them through their journey. I will say this. I would, I would encourage you to not only give yourself credit, but to look really deep inside and see that what you're offering is extremely substantial and it's not surfaced. Thank you. You know, so that it's extremely like you're coming from a very compassionate and loving place of um, growth. That's how I see it. So I, I would encourage you. I mean, I think it's easy for all of us to say, have grace with yourself. Or, but I would encourage you to do that because the way you walk through life, remember, it comes from a well from inside and that's where you draw it from. Yeah. Thank so, you. Oh, yeah. I, I mean that. I really mean that. As women, we need to encourage each other. Ag- we, I agree with you. Women support women. And we need to support each other. And yes. I love, I have to tell you though, I love what you said about the men and the fertility thing too, because that's something so untalked about. And I mm-hmm. love that you said that. So thank you for acknowledging that. Absolutely. Um, so how does your story or your stories inspire you to show up in this world? I want to be able to be a person that young people can come to mm. and ask questions about my experience. Yeah. I, I, I truly, truly do. And all I've had is young people work for me okay. in, in what I do. Like under the age of 25? Uh, under the age of 30. Under the age of 30. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I want them to be like, okay, well, you know, why is Morella the way that she is? Why is she driven? And what has she done to be able to get to where she's at? Or why does she answer a question the way she does? Or why does she do things the way that she does? And because I... I have certain experiences and I have this story. If I can help someone, Mm. whether it's in a career path, personally, relationship, IVF, if I can answer quite, if if a a young person who's going through it or someone who's even my age is going through something like that and they just don't know if they should go on anymore, I want to be that person that Mm. can answer questions or can provide support or can share my experiences. If If I can be that person, I feel that I have, my life has meaning. Oh, you are that person. Yeah. And I, I am hopeful that when people listen to this, you will have people reaching out. Oh, thank you. I really do hope that. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask if you'd like, would you, I know you shared a little bit about what, where you work. Would you like to share like where people can find your work? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, t- tell me what you do. I don't think okay. we can touch on that. What do you do for... So I'm uh, the director of public and union relations okay. for Vogel Zane Law. Okay. Uh, it's an asbestos law firm based out of Chicago. Yep. We are licensed in Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, and Florida. So we represent clients that have been affected by asbestos and diagnosed with mesothelioma, lung mm-hmm. cancer with asbestos exposure, asbestosis. Um, I primarily work with a lot of unions but like we mentioned a little bit in the beginning, I work with a lot of charities as you well. Do. Yeah. Um, so I've been with the firm for eight years and I know. That's amazing. I know. That's some life goals right there. I know, I know. I, and I truly, truly love what I do. Um, Mary was able to meet one of my bosses, the wife. Oh yeah, she's great. And they're incredible people. They have truly allowed me to curate this position to what it is. Um, and truly what I do is, share the information. Yeah. Uh, share legal information, share the litigation that I do, support the charities that we support. Um, I host a golf outing to benefit the Mesothelioma Applied Research Foundation. Mm. I've been doing that for three years. I used to host a 5K for six years. We raised over $80,000 for the Meso Foundation. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, I go all over the country to different conference, union conferences, charity conferences. Um, Sounds like you're a connector. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like you're a connector. Yes. And I like to, I know majority of the hospitals in Chicago. So, you know, if one of my union guys calls me up and it has nothing to do necessarily with MESO or Mm. lung cancer or anything like that. And I had uh, one carpenter call me up and one of his members' uh, wives was diagnosed with breast cancer and she really wanted to get into Rush. And I said, all right, well, let me make a call. I got her into the breast oncology department at Rush within a week. That's amazing. So, and I love doing that. That's why I say, if you like helping, yeah, I love, I I truly love being able to do that. I, I volunteer at about a bunch of different um, charities. Gilda's Club of Chicago is like, I do you, I love Gilda. I've always wanted to volunteer with Gilda's. I, the CEO of Gilda's, Laura Jane Hyde is by far the one of the most incredible humans I've ever met. She has dedicated her life to Gilda's. Mm. So like talk about hashtag goals of, of women that you want to be. Yeah. Like, that's who she is. So oh, that's incredible to, to call her my friend is I'm honored to be able to do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, as far as reaching out and it's one of those things, there's probably about 3000 people that are diagnosed with mesothelioma a year. Okay. There should probably be about 5,000. It's a matter of, and, you know, big union guys, I don't want to go to the doctor. Yeah. They don't get tested. Yeah. And this disease can take up to 60 years to manifest. So oh. you could have been exposed 60 years ago and, you know, you, you finally get sick. Or I, especially in the spring, we'll find I have a hard time walking or I have a hard time getting upstairs or, you know, trying to ride my bike and now I can't do it. And they go to the doctor and now they're diagnosed with, unfortunately, a a terminal disease. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So what the law firm does is we litigate those disease. So we go after the manufacturer that produced the asbestos, um, didn't provide any kind of uh, warnings or anything like that. And that's who we sue. So we we do it on behalf of the client. And, you know, I I always say what I do is, is, I'm not a salesperson and I would never hard sell this. I don't want to see these people sick. I've seen our clients who are dying and it's, it's horrific. Yeah. But if I can provide the information, because there's so much misinformation, like if I, <laughs> PSA, don't ever call the 800 numbers, <laughs> ever. Do not call the 800 <laughs> numbers. Call me. Um, but there's so much misinformation out there and people are scared or they think they have to pay for an attorney or Aww. they think they have to go into the office or, you know, they're like, well, I'm dying anyway, or whatever the case may be. And yes, do we provide justice more for the family? Yeah, we do. Um, a couple of our attorneys has said we we have put a lot of kids through college and paid for a lot of weddings. Okay, but if we can allow those people to leave that legacy for their family, uh-huh. it's still a good thing. Do, would they prefer having their family member a alive? Percent. Yeah, yeah. A but if we can be part of that that verdict for them and yeah. and that justice for them, that's what we do, and that's why I, I love. I love what oh, I do. I truly, truly do. I can tell. I'm, I'm like listening to you talk and it's very, I know it's probably a very hard job and to hear these people and see their stories, but thank you for what you do. Of course. Um, thank you I will put that share. in. Oh yeah. I'll put that in the show notes though too. Yeah. So if anyone, I mean, gosh, what a deadly disease. It is. It's very deadly. Um, and it's not fair because they weren't told. You didn't choose to be around asbestos when they didn't tell you that it was poison. Like that's not fair. They didn't provide the right PPE or whatever the case may be. Um, I really just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, this is one of the things I love doing this podcast for, and I, I 
and I will say this over and over again, is just, I, you know, you, um, if you're lucky enough, you get to spend time with your friends, but if you're really lucky enough, like, I feel like I know you on such a different level today and I'm really grateful Aww. for that. And I mean that with all my heart and like yeah. you had the opportunity to tell your story. And that's, what's important to me is that people have a platform to share in a safe space mm -hmm. where they feel safe and they feel like, Oh, I can do this. So, you. um, you would like to come back. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I really keep saying this in all of them. I'm going to have a round table. I, I, I might have to, know. I have to, might have to rent a hall, but I'm going to, I want to have a round table of women and just have women talk and meet and, you know, fellowship and, you know, have community with each other and just meet, you know, I just love that so much. I do too. I, I, I think that's great. Yes. I would come back hundred percent. Oh, yay. And I will work on my husband. Uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe when you come back, maybe the thing I'll do this year is everyone can bring a dish to share. Yes. If you could bring the meat. I will. Yes, I will bring the meat because that's the easiest. Okay. <laughs> and the mustard. Um, well, thank you, Morella. Thank you so much for being here today. And I just, um, I want to say thank you to everyone who listened. And I really genuinely hope that Morella's stories help you feel supported, seen or heard, or if anything resonated with you that you know, you feel like you can reach out to her through this, um, through this podcast. Um, we are on Instagram, so please follow us at I'm so glad you asked podcast. I'm so glad you asked as part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit the Trident Network. This episode of I'm so glad you asked was edited by Josh Finfrock. <laughs>